Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. There's something coming to the marketplace that I think is exciting. Self-driving cars. <laughs> How many of you are excited about self-driving cars? Anybody? We got one person. Anybody excited about self-driving cars? Sam Nelson is excited about self-driving cars. All right. I'm, I'm excited about it. I think it's cool. I think it's um, something that's pretty amazing. Um, I, think I'm, I think I'm a little bit nervous, though, as well, to have something in control of a car that's not me. I'm usually a pretty good rider. Um, I don't mind someone else driving. Uh, I can be a good passenger. I don't find myself as a backseat driver. There are other people I know that really struggle with that. They can't sit there and watch somebody else drive. It really bothers them. They get very anxious about those things. But the way I understand it is a self-driving car will be self-driven, but there will be a button or something you can do if you ever need to take control of that car ever again. So if it's doing something that you don't want it to do, you, I, don't, I assume press a button or something and that will help it become not self-driving but human-driven again. So you can take control of the car if needed. How many of you would like to drive a self-driving car if it, have the, if it had the override feature? Anybody? The override feature. Nobody still, you, you people are going to like just be done. Because it's coming. There will come a day where you cannot buy anything but a self-driving car. Face it. It's going to happen. <laughs> It's going to happen. I'm excited about it. But listen, it has an override feature. We like to take control. And the funny thing that about all of this is all of you like to be in control. Right? Nobody is excited about a self-driving car because you like to be in control. You want to have that control. You want to do that. You want to make that car. You don't trust that vehicle. You don't trust the engineers behind that vehicle. You don't trust the computer that's running the vehicle. You don't trust it. And I understand that. But sometimes our life is like that. Sometimes that goes through not just driving, but it goes into our entire life. Every facet of our life, we like to always be able to control it if we need to. We always like to control our direction. Sometimes we like to put it on autopilot and just relax a little bit. But if anything goes a little out of, out of tune, we, we course correct and we take care of those things. We steer the way that we want to go. But in our life, our attitude should not be, I'm in control. That should not be our attitude. It should not be, I will make the course corrections. It should be this. My life is his to control. My life is his to control. You see, listen, I'm not all excited about a car controlling me. So I like to have a little bit of control. But listen, our life should be something that only God controls. Only God. Not, not me, not anybody else, not, not someone who uh, wants to do me evil, but really... My life should be his to control. Saul, whom 
later is named the Apostle Paul, finds himself in a similar situation to this. His life is going just the way he likes it. He is in full control of his life. Let's look at Acts chapter 9, verse 1. The Bible says, And Saul, yet breathing out threatenings and slaughter against the disciples of the Lord, went unto the high priest. Now, remember who the high priest is. The high priest is basically the uh, uh, politician of the day. I mean, they were still under the, the authority of Rome at this point. But they, uh, the high priest was the Jewish leader. He was uh, the political leader as well as the religious leader. He was the high priest. And so Paul is, is, is a part of this and he's friends with and acquaintances with the high priest. And desired of him, verse 2, letters to Damascus, to the synagogues. That if he found any of this way, what is this way? Any Christians, anybody that was following Jesus, any of this way, whether they were men or women... He might bring them bound unto Jerusalem. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. And suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? And he said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. And he, trembling and astonished, said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? The Lord said unto him, Arise, and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. And the men which journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no man. And Saul arose from the earth, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no man. But they led him by the hand, and brought him into Damascus. And he was three days without sight, neither did he eat nor drink. I'd like to preach to you a message that I've entitled, Alter Your Ambition. Alter Your Ambition. Your ambition. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to be here tonight. Thank you for the testimonies that were given of the HELP program. Thank you so much for the opportunity to be able to go on that. Father, I pray that you would help us in any way, shape, or form to alter our ambition to be what you want it to be. Father, you've given everything for us. You've you've given your life, and Father, you've given your only begotten Son to die on the cross so that we could have an eternal home and a relationship with you. Father, would you please... Help us to alter our ambitions if we need. Father, we love you so much. Thank you for all you've done. In Jesus' name, amen. Alter your ambition. Saul is working hard for something he totally believes in. He is 100% in. He is 100% into persecuting Christians. He is 100% in. There is nothing outside of him that does not want to do this. He's going to the high priest. He's spending time with the high priest. And he's saying, hey, let me do this. Let me take anybody. Give me your seal of approval that if I find anybody who's worshiping and serving Jesus Christ, I can bring them back to Jerusalem bound. And the interesting thing I find is he's going to Damascus to do this. Damascus is not a part of what we know today as Israel. Damascus is in Syria. It's a Syrian city. It has been for, for, as far as I know, as long as it's been Damascus, it's been Syrian. But yet there were Christians, because of Paul, Christians that were dispersed all over the known world at that time. And, and he's going to find them. He's after them now. And he's going to take them and he's going to bring them back to Jerusalem bound. 
to Jerusalem. He's all in. There's men with him. He's probably uh, put in a lot of time and effort and thought into this. He's putting them in jail. Saul was in control of his life right now. He was doing something that he was passionate about doing. He was doing something that he was excited about doing. He was doing something that he maybe even felt called to do. Maybe not called by God, but felt like that was his life's calling. You see, very, 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 very often, we have our lives planned out. We have our lives detailed as to what we're going to do and how we're going to do it. We have a plan. We have a set plan. This is the direction I'm going to go. We are passionate about it. We're working hard at attaining those goals. And listen, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but what about God? What about God? What if God has another plan for your life? What if God has something else he wants you to do? What if God says, no, 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 I don't want you to do that even though you want to do that. Even though you've spent time and money and done all of these things, I want you to do this. What's your attitude toward that? All of us have ambitions. All of us have dreams and goals, but are we willing to alter them if God wants us to? Are we willing to step back from what we know, step back from what we desire, step back from our ambition and say, listen, God, if you want me to do that, that's what I'll do. Are we willing to relinquish control of what we want? Are we willing to relinquish control of what we want and do what God wants? Some might say this, well, I can still be a Christian and do what I want to do. That's a true statement. Yes, you can be a Christian and still do what you want to do. However, as we spoke this morning, that is diluting what God wants for your life. So go ahead. You can do that if you want. You can be a Christian and still do whatever you want to do and and, and be that type of person. You can do that. It's, it's, It's possible. However, God's got a very specific plan for every single person in this room. Every one of you. I don't care if you're 90 years old or if you're 9 years old or even younger. God has a plan for your life, a very specific plan, something that he wants you to do. Are you willing to do it? Some of you may ask this, how can I change now? I'm X number of years old or I've been in this industry for X number of years, I'm doing this or that or, or the other thing. I've got all of this money invested. I have all of this time put into it. I don't really want to change. Some of you may be saying that, but I want to give you three steps. If you say, I'm at least willing to alter my ambition. I want to give you three steps to help us alter our ambition. Number one, realize That what we are doing is contrary to Christ. If we are not following Christ, we are contrary to him. Go to Acts chapter 9. As our passage, look at verse 4. Paul 
And he fell to the earth and heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, watch this, why persecutest thou me? Why persecutest thou me? It says Jesus Christ talking, why persecutest thou me? In verse 5, and he said, who art thou, Lord? And look what the Lord says. And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. So what Paul is doing, he's not persecuting Christians. You say, yes, he is. No, he's not. He's persecuting Christ. He's attacking Jesus. He's going after that. Listen, a lot of times we can get our priorities mixed up. You see, if somebody is persecuting you, realize this, that they're not persecuting you, they're persecuting God. Because God said if they will hate you, they're going to, or excuse me, hate you, it's because they hated me. Nothing that they could do to you is worse than they could do to Jesus, that they already done to Jesus. Jesus said, if you give a cup of cold water in my name, you've done it unto me. And so listen, when you are doing these things, and this, this, is, this is contrary to Christ. This is against Christ. He's persecuting Christ, not Christians. So listen, if we are not fulfilling, if we are not fulfilling God's intention for our lives, it's a bold statement, we are contrary to Christ. Listen to me. If you are not fulfilling what God intended for your life, you are contrary to Christ. You say, Pastor Jones, no, 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 no. I'm not, con- I'm not against Christ. I, I, I don't hate him. So I, I'm not against him. I'm I, I just doing something that I want to do. Let me show you a few verses, just for argument's sake. Romans chapter 8, turn over there with me, Romans 8 verse 5, Romans 8 5, the Bible says this, for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the spirit the things of the spirit. Here it is, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. That's scary. A carnal mind cannot be subject to God. Impossible for a carnal mind to be subject to God. That's what the Bible says. So then they that are in the flesh, see this, cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of God dwell in you. Now if any man have not the spirit of Christ, he is none of his. You see, the fact of the matter is the flesh cannot please God. So if you say, Pastor Yomans, no, 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 I'm not contrary to Christ. I'm just doing my own thing. That means you're being fleshly. That means you're being proud. That means you're being selfish. You're just doing your own thing that is against, that is contrary to Christ. It's fleshly. 
Still don't believe me. Galatians 5.17 says, For the flesh lusteth against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh, and they are, watch this, contrary. The one to the other. Listen to the last statement though. So that ye cannot do the things that ye would. The flesh and the spirit are at enmity. They are contrary. So much so that you can't do the things that you would do. Romans chapter 7, Paul is saying, I wish I could do this, but I just can't because my flesh, and I, I want to do this, but I can't, and I know I shouldn't do it, and I, I just do it, and, 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 and oh, wretched man that I am, he says. Oh, wretched man that I am, because we are contrary to Christ. Listen, if you are not doing what God intended for your life, if I am not doing what God intended for my life, I am contrary to God. I'm at enmity with God. I am not doing His will, I'm doing the flesh. If we are living our own lives and doing our own thing and not fulfilling the complete will of God for our lives, it's not like we're just missing out on blessings. That's kind of what we think well, I'm not living for God, so I'm just missing out on some blessings. Which is entirely true. But you're not just missing out on blessings, you're contrary to Christ. So not only are you contrary to Christ, which is a big thing, we need to pay attention to that, but number two, he was continually convicted. Look at Acts chapter 9, look at verse 5. And he, being Paul, said, Who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. Watch the end of the verse here. It says, It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Hard for thee to kick against the pricks. I looked up the word pricks in Strong's Dictionary. It means point. Like a point. Sting. Goad. Point. Sting. Or goad. So it's as if you have an ox goad. And you're beginning to poke it in the rear end, which is normally what you do when you're trying to get a cow to go one way. And it starts kicking at you. And you're poking it. Let's go. Let's get it going. That's what is going on here. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. Now this is something that I thought of it's hard to kick against God's conviction. This is not in the Bible. But I believe based on this verse that God had been pricking the heart of Saul multiple times. We don't see this anywhere in the Bible, but I think based on this verse, again, pricks is a plural term. So this is not just one, this is multiple and, and Paul is kicking against that. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. I believe, again, take it for what you will, but I believe Paul was being continually convicted. This is not the first time that God has met him. This is not the first time that God has convicted him. This is not the first time that God poked him a little bit and said, hey, you need to stop doing this. I believe that God had been trying to get Saul out of this way of life and into God's way of life for some time. Now let me ask you a question. How often do you feel the prick of God? 
How often do you feel the conviction of God? How often do you feel God saying, hey, you're doing something that you shouldn't be doing? Hey, you need to stop that. Hey, you need to get moving along in your Christian life a little bit further. How often do you feel the conviction of God? How often do you feel the conviction of God about the direction and ambitions of your life? How many times are you going to kick against that? It's hard. Listen, hear me. It's hard to kick against the pricks. It's hard to squelch the conviction of God. Not impossible, just hard. It's hard to do. God does not force you to alter your ambitions. He never will. But God will always encourage you to alter your ambitions. The interesting thing here, and again, I can't prove this biblically. It's just what I believe. It took Paul getting knocked off of his horse blinded for three days to get his attention. Took him getting knocked off his horse, blinded for three days to get his attention. It took that long. It took that much. Let me ask you a question. What's it going to take for God to get your attention. In our society, in our ways, that's, this would be a car accident. A car accident, getting knocked off his horse. Car accident, maybe causing some sort of bodily damage. This is what we're talking about here. What is it going to take for God to get your attention? He's not going to force you, but he's encouraging you. Hey, he's goading you. He's pricking you. How long will you kick against that? How long will you say, I'm going to continue to do what I want to do? I believe Paul was continually convicted. Listen, if God is convicting you, answer it. If God is convicting you, answer that. Answer that. Paul, Paul or Saul here says, Who art thou, Lord? He already knew the terms. He already knew who he was talking to. How often does God prick your heart? Not only how often, but listen, how long is he going to continue to? There comes a point, I believe, in every person's life when God just says, okay, you've said no enough. That may come around again through some unforeseen circumstance. But the more you push it off, the more you kick against it, the more callous your feet become or your heart becomes and you say, no more, I'm not going to do that. How long? He was continually convicted. The third thing, and finally, his course changed. His course changed. Look at verse 6. And he, being Paul or Saul again, trembling and astonished, said, Lord... Watch this. What wilt thou have me to do? What wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and it shall be told thee what thou must do. Saul's course, excuse me, changed. 
He went from a church persecutor to a church planter. He went from a church persecutor to a church planter. He went from being contrary to Christ to being connected to Christ. God used the same talents. God used the same abilities. God used the same passions that Saul had as a persecutor. And he used them for his purpose. Did you see that? God used everything that Paul or Saul already had. He used everything, his passion, his zeal, his, his, his character, all of those things he took and he used already for his purposes. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, famous, famous passages say this. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not unto thine own understanding. It's not about what you want to do. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. But you know what the problem is? We don't trust the car. We don't trust the car. Most of us do not trust the car. Physically we don't trust the car, but listen, spiritually sometimes we just don't trust God, do we? Oh, no, no, God, God, no. You don't know what you're doing. Let me take the wheel here. No, no, why are you turning that way? That's not the way that we get to the destination. We don't trust the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Listen, it doesn't matter. You know that you can't have it both ways? You can't trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean onto your own understanding. You can't have both. It's one or the other. And so when you're saying, listen, I'm just going to do what I want to do. Listen, I'm still a Christian. I'm still a good person. I'm just going to do what I want to do. You can't do that. You're contrary with Christ. I'm going to give you another famous verse that most of us probably already know. Psalm 37, verse 23. The steps of a good man are ordered by who? The Lord, not ourselves. And he delighteth in his way. He delighteth in his way. Let me ask you a question. Is your life, is your life God's to control? Is your life God's to control? Or are you pushing him out of the way and taking control for yourself? If your ambitions are God's, and you just want to do whatever God wants you to do. And you, like Paul, can say, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? If your ambition are God's, you will never regret it. You ask any old preacher, anybody who's been around the block a time or two, I can almost guarantee that they would say, I have never heard someone say, I regret not serving Christ. I regret that I served Christ for so long. You'll never hear them say that. The only thing you'll hear them say is, I wish I had given him more. Or I regret not giving my life to God. That's what you'll hear. You'll hear those regrets. You'll never hear somebody say that I regret serving Christ. I regret giving him every piece of my life. In fact, you'll hear just the opposite. You'll hear the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities. The power of Christ may rest upon me. You see, his course 
changed. Very simply, if we're living the lives that we want, we're contrary to Christ. God will continue to convict. And I believe we need to change our course if our course is not aligned with what God wants.